Is that better? Transition. There. Hello, check. It's like having sex with an optometrist. You know what I mean? <laughs> better like this. Better like this. We're good yep, now. We're yep. good now. All right. Um, Seth, just take everything we said and fix it. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, the John Day. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your co-host, Dan. <laughs> this podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs when you can hear us. <laughs> we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, <laughs> but neither is our D&D games. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely not. If you have seen us play Avernus <laughs> recently, it is obviously not for children. <laughs> no. Uh, I am really excited for today's episode. John Day, thank you uh, so much for joining us today. Um, Happy to be here. Our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we're going to be discussing the psionic options revisited. For our main topic, we're going to be talking the game shop uh, a series written by and directed by the man, the myth, the legend, John Day. So thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. Hey, man, I'm, ha I'm, I'm super happy to be here and happy to uh, be amongst fellow nerds. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, if you enjoy our show, do you like to support us? Head on over to CritAcademy.com, check out our Patreon page, pick up maybe some of our best-selling uh, D&D content, um, or just subscribe to our newsletter. You get free stuff uh, just for entering. Every single week we give away fat loot, so definitely check it out. Um, I also want to give a nudge that uh, at the end of the month on 4.30, we are going, I think it's 4.30, I probably should be checking my calendar just before I actually say that. Um, we are going to be releasing a new product the oh i'm sorry yes 4:30 we are going to be releasing weapon perks it is a an extension to the weapons equipment in the uh the player's handbook where each weapon has a unique trait as long as your character is proficient with them they can utilize that trait it's so that way your weapon meaning has an impact quite literally um so those choices become more <laughs> in important most cases. yeah so i'm really excited for that that being said, Crit Nation, thank you so much for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a town without your favorite local shop. Yeah, I've, I've lived in that town, and it sucks. Yep. So, um, yeah. It, yeah. It really is pretty crappy. So. <laughs> it's, it's, you're like standing in like a Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, just shaking your head, looking at all the people, and you're like, I have to do this. I have to do <laughs> yeah, this. Don't like... have a... <laughs> Uh, I work at Barnes and Noble, so it's even funnier. <laughs> so I quite literally get to see it all happen in real time. I'm like, oh well. <laughs> well, what's interesting is depending on how long you've worked there, uh, you know that you have an interesting perspective because uh, a few years ago, 2014, let's say, when Barnes and Noble, like you know, was still a store then, the D and D shelf was probably we'll give it nine, maybe ten inches. Uh, my, according to my wife, that's more like six, but. Um, <laughs> Now it's a much larger section of the store, and that's oh, kind of where our game shop story takes place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, 
It takes up an entire like shelf, like a whole right. bookshelf. Now it's it's kind of crazy. Yep. <laughs> From nine to six. Very cool. You my, you've been lying to me for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that actually made me think of back when I was like part of a game club at in college. As the PR guy of the group, I actually went to the local game shop see if we get like our members could get discounts there, and we for the most part actually did pretty good in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I remember I went to the local bookshop and tried to. To uh, see if we can get get one there too, and their answer was, "Why would I do this for you guys?" <laughs> <laughs> Even though I make it clear, like we use game books, this thick, <laughs> they're fifty bucks each. You will make money off this. <laughs> yes, that's so funny. That's hilarious. And they still said no, but you get the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. It's funny because I'm getting, I'm, you know, I'm getting to the point now where I'm talking to people, and you know, people want to hear fun stories, and I like here's a you know example. Where I was like, oh man. I used to rob books a million so much. Let me tell you all about it. But I can't do that because that's, you know, a petty whatever, maybe even felony if they add up all my stories. So I don't over all that. You're like, I don't really want uh, to. All right. Uh, before we get into our main topic, uh, we have our Let's Talk About Blink segment. We are going to be talking about the Psionic Options Revisited. Now, this is a uh, an edit to a previous release of the Psionic Options from Unearthed Arcana. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've made some good changes based on the feedback that the 10 of us actually fill out and send back to them. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. oh, I'm sure if you don't know, psionics is basically powers that come from a creature's mind. Um, in current lore, the most, uh, well-known are the mind flayers and the Githyanki and Githzerai. They are psionic cla- mm-hmm. builds, but there is no, affi- there is currently not an official psionics class. Well, they tried a psionics class. It was the mystic, and it didn't work for a multitude of reasons that I'm... <laughs> so it's like, that, was, that was my official professional opinion. <laughs> uh, it didn't work out so well. Um, it, got, it was either broken or um, not too weak or, or too complex, what have you. So they recently redid an Unearthed Arcana that instead of building an entire class, because that was too complex, apparently, they decided to take a different approach, which I'm kind of a fan of personally, but we'll get to that uh, shortly. Instead, they built psionic archetypes. So pretty much anybody can be into psionics. um, And this Unearthed Arcana revisited is some adjustments to a previous one that they released. It's kind of like they cared. You know, it's like maybe somebody because the first time, I looked at that and I'm like, nah, dude, these dudes ate in and out Burger, they got high, and they went back to playing like Red Dead Redemption 1 or whatever they were playing. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. You know, they got they got Red Dead Redemption 2 this time. They they got the good horse. They mm-hmm. they really put some time into the mental aspect mm-hmm. of what, what it yeah. was. Uh, I remember looking at the the psionic fighter or yeah, Sci Fighter, was that what it's yep. called? Cyanite. Psionic fighter. Is it Cyanite? Cyanite. It's Cyanite now. So but I think previously it was Cy- Psionic Fighter. Okay. And it was just stupid it, it was so strong looking like i don't know and now it's like this they definitely toned down a little bit of it well why don't it didn't we get like permanent buffs why don't and we talk it. about some of the, the mechanics sorry ian go ahead and actually for that matter building of them as archetypes in fifth edition makes way more sense because look how long it took for us to get, even get a new class with yeah. eberron yeah honestly and as a designer myself i can personally attest that it is way easier to balance a subclass than it is to balance an entire new arc new class so right yeah because um, i tried that once i will not probably i will probably never build more than one full class um because it was just way too much work 
So that being said, yeah. why don't we d- dig into the psionic powers here a little bit? Uh, Ian, or actually, uh, our buddy John here seemed to have some pretty um, interesting That's noises. Um, <laughs> overall, uh, is there anything about the uh, psionic options for the the fighter that you thought was interesting? Um, or do you have any thoughts on it? Or any of them, th- for that matter. My thoughts are, I, I, have, I haven't got to dig in like I want to. Like, I, I didn't turn my nose up at all the way. I just kind of glanced through it. <laughs> um, but it looks like it might be okay. Um, it's To me, it's a resource. You know, you're mm-hmm. spending a resource economy like key points or whatever. It's just trying to balance that resource out into the mechanics of the action economy. Mm-hmm. And that that's, there you go. There's your, you know, if, you, if people are like, oh, it's got feathers and it does this and fucking flies and it has, look. It, does it have a balanced resource that it spends in an action economy that makes it copacetic with everything else in the game? Okay. Um, am I the only person that doesn't know what copacetic means? Yes. <laughs> in context, I figured it out, but I've never heard that word. So kudos to you, John, for having a huge ass vocabulary right along right, right alongside fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to give my thoughts on the night first. I think this is really interesting. While uh, so the core mechanic of all the psionic archetypes is the the psionic talent die, yes. which is basically I... a die that you roll to and expend and decreases and increases depending on the conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once it's gone, once it decreases to nothing, you have to get a long rest to get back. And I think that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. And all, that that same die is used across all the different talents, which I think, or all the different archetypes, which I think is great. Yeah, it definitely unifies it really well, I think. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I like that a lot. And I'll admit, I tend to not look at Unearthed Arcana too closely, just because I always feel like by the time they release it, they always change the living crap out of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree. Um, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with player feedback. So, right. for all of and, you that take the time to do that, kudos to you. And, yeah, I'll, admit, and I'll admit, my impression of the side eye, if you will, is I kind of wish they would just like uh, pick a number for the level range and just stick with it instead of having it go up and down around too much because i i personally as a player prefer consistency yeah and that's my personal take at least and i'm kind of like the other side of the coin where i'm like this is a really interesting like not necessarily resource management because it's still luck based at the end right because if you roll one it decreases or no it increases increases. if you roll six it goes down exactly thank you um but what i do like about it a lot is the second part where it says sigh replenishment Yep. It's just a bonus action. It sets it right back to normal. So if you already lost it, you can just go. Yeah, I can see that. And so it's in case you, it's in case you like just overcharge it too many times. Like, like immediately, like maybe you're lucky, I guess, in a, in a way you rolled, you know, max numbers, you know, two, three times in a row and you, now you lost it. You just had it. Right. So. Yeah. I, right. I like I like that they've uh, you know they've broken into three and uh, for me it's the scion. Uh, I hate this dabbling into it. You know it's kind of a war. This is the fighter based one. This is the this based one. Mm-hmm. It's it's all mental powers, all psionics. Like that's the test. Like can that thing that creation go and hang? And I right. think ion's the test of that in my opinion. Yeah, I I think I think that they did. I do think that they managed to achieve that because 
Um, in my opinion, that's why I think it's a better uh, mixed archetypes than its own class because psionics can uh, appear in anybody, right? So because right. of that, that person might be a rogue. That person might be a fighter. That person might already have innate magics in them and just happen to double up on mental powers too, you know? So mm-hmm. but, I have to watch for combos because munchkins yes, are everywhere. munchkins are everywhere, yeah. and that's definitely uh, yeah. Definitely What's just something wrong with, for the record? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking savage. Uh, yeah. uh, anyway, so... Uh, I'm not even mad. I, I, the mute my, just for the record, the mute yourself was for me. Oh, <laughs> you talking to Ian? Out of my mouth. I was talking I to Ian, too. I was I like, laughed. holy shit. I laughed at that point, <laughs> instead of all the words I was... I'm sorry, ready? <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, everybody has their own play style, and that's okay. But yeah, I think part of the issue, But I think part of the issue too, though, that we've seen with the last couple of design documents for the Scions is let's be real here. Whether you think it's true or not, Scionic classes in D and D does have a reputation. Like three point five backwards, when they have appeared, they have been pretty overpowered. Yeah. Mm. And that's something I've heard consistently enough. I'm like, okay, that's probably true. And I, they did eventually put Scionics in fourth edition. And they probably were way too overly cautious with that one, too. And could probably speak with other classes, they were relatively weak, save if you build them correctly, but you had to build it in that way for it to be any work. So I kind of feel see that caution right. with the past couple of documents we've seen with psionics Cy- in this fifth edition. Right. So uh, for those that are listening and haven't actually read this, I do want to give a quick rundown. So honestly, sure. in my opinion, the psionic fighter treads too much on the Eldritch Knight as far as the powers that it has. Um, it creates a field, boom, shield. It creates a power leap, poof, you have the teleport dash. And then it's got telekinetic strike that lets you propel and do extra damage, a la yeah. cantrip. Um, yeah, it's the game you play on toddlers where you're like, do you want this sippy cup with your left hand? And they're like, no. And you put it behind your back and you hand it to them around the right hand. You're like, do you want this sippy cup? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I-, I could see that. That being said, I think they did a really great job with the rogue soul knife. Um, like very that. interesting. I, I like, like this one a lot. This is very much that 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 mutant X Men woman, uh, Psylocke. Um, also, Melina from Mortal Kombat. Like with this, you can have a a decent um, a ranged uh, throwing build because you can summon the things and throw them, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they don't come back because you just make new ones as you throw them every time you make an attack. And I thought that was dope as hell. Yeah. Plus psychic damage. Hell yeah. Yeah, psychic damage is um, so crazy. That, that was kind of the shtick for that one, which I thought was really cool. None of the uh, abilities outside of that for that really um, stuck out at me. I think you get finer control, and so you get some special bonuses in regards to your psionic die. But um, the cool thing was, you guys ever watch Naruto? Um, yep. They got mm. the 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 the, mm-hmm. the old Hokage who throws the dagger and teleports to it. That's yep. one of the Soul Blade's abilities, and I thought that was fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or if any of you uh, know Final Fantasy 15, it's Noctis. That's yes. a big one too. Yeah, that, that would have been a more re- notable reference. I should have went with yeah, that. Yeah, I feel like they're both pretty pretty notable. Fourth Okage is yeah. huge. He's so notable, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, so that's Minato. Kind of, yeah, there it is, Minato. Minato, Minato, Minota, whatever his name is. Minato. Minato. Anyways, uh, and then you also it's have the Soul Sorcerer. I thought that was the least interesting of all of them. I'm going to be honest. I uh, it, I feel like it's a little lacking. Yeah, it is. But the the psychic aura was cool. But like, it's like, mm-hmm. eh. 
Like, that's like an 18th level. Like, you can't, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely lacking in comparison. The Definitely the uh, the Soul Blade Rogue, Soul Knife Rogue was definitely Came the most. Really good, a yeah. highlight. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would agree. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, go, go ahead, Ian. You gonna say something? And it's also worth noting, too, that they also included new spells for non sciatic classes to take as well, as well as new feats. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to touch on the feats a little bit. We're not going to go through them, but sure. I think it's great that there are now. Um, feats that follow that flavor so even if you don't include any of the unearthed arcana archetypes giving some of these spells options to a player who wants to play a telekinetic based wizard or sorcerer or something uh mm -hmm. will help with that flavor um which here's, is here's really the here's the vacuum though um you know wizard and fighter right so you you go so far into this to where like we'll talk about in a little while you have racial traits and and magic items and magic items that are specific to worlds or specific to even races or lores. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the first things that you guys, we should put together would be a don't listeners, just us, just us. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <don't laughs> what you do is you basically like a compendium of uh, like the racial feats compendium, but let's make a racial uh, legendary weapons and then a racial uh, magic weapons and run through a couple of uncommons, a couple of rare and da da da. That would be, I think, a fun exercise to yeah. publish that compendium to go along with a lot of this different stuff. That's going you know on. what you need to do? If you're like, I'm going to try this new character out. Well, here's some actually cool shit that goes with it to balance what is already out there. If that's something mm. you're serious about, shoot me an email and I'm on I'm it. always serious. Because I've, I've, been, well, I've been off, so i am just finished up my third book since I've been off. So <laughs> I'm a publishing machine. I mean, I've got other hey, things planned but... for the next couple months, but <clears throat> I'm always down for new shit. So anyways... Overall, I thought these were really cool. I do want to give a huge shout out to the um, one of the can the can trip that's in here called Mind Sliver because I love the mechanic that they used. I would weaken the damage, but basically, you for a can trip, you do one d six psychic damage, and then the first time the target would make a saving throw, they roll a d four and subtract it from the roll. I think Ooh. that is a really cool. I uh, like mechanic. that a lot. I think the wow. damage is a little high though. I'm actually going to disagree with you on that one because we have like uh, some cantrips that do more damage but still inflict other effects. Yeah, and yeah. Have, and we have seen some other low damage cantrips too that still screw with you. Like, look, look at, uh, what is it? Toll, toll the Dead. Toll the Dead? Yeah, I was going to say yeah, Toll I mean, the Dead. Yeah. And that does way more damage. Yeah, that's a thump. That's a nice thump with an after effect. That's what Ian's saying. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I understand that. But the reason why I think this damage is too much because messing with somebody's save is the difference between not taking damage or inducing damage, but potentially mind controlling or completely removing somebody from combat. That to me makes that more powerful than just slowing somebody down or imposing disadvantage on a single attack. So that's why, yeah. I also point out that is not extra dope. Also on top of that, the target has, still has to make an intelligence saving throw anyway. Just for it to even get that subtraction to begin with. So I think it's still justified. You still have to go through an another hoop on top of that. Yeah, there's an extra layer of insulation kind of. Well, yeah. it's not and an attack. Mockery is only a D4, and that basically gives your enemy disadvantage on attacks. And that's pretty... Only on too. one attack, right? On its next vicious attack. Mockery is the greatest cantrip that ever is cantrip. But, uh, and to Ian's point and to your point, John, that's exactly why I think it's too powerful and the damage die needs to be brought down because Vicious Mockery, once again, this ah. is an intelligence save. That's what, a charisma or wisdom, I forget. Sorry, guys, I accidentally agreed with him. Oh, damn it. 
<laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, so uh, because of that, yes, um, if we use the the vicious mockery, which was the metric I was m- comparing it with, it's 1d4 for disadvantage on a single attack. 1d6 it- for a d4 on a save that might lose control of that character entirely seems more powerful to me, but that's just my opinion. But that also says the next save. Not all saves, next save. That's true, but still that next save is still this person's mind control, this person's disintegrated, this person's, you know, whatever. But anyways, that's just my opinion, and maybe they'll change it, maybe they won't, maybe we'll never see it. But I love this cantrip, and I love the idea of this, so if you start seeing this shit in my monsters and some of my magic items, you'll know why. I mean, crap, we've even... I've even seen stuff back in the original playtest that I still go, why was that brought? Why was this not brought in the main game? Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure. I mean, they collect a lot of data now from the players, so I'm sure some of that has something to do with it. Anyways, do you guys have any other overall thoughts? Would you like to see this stuff as options in our games? I would love to see this stuff, honestly. All three of like all three of the subclasses, the cantrips, everything. I, I love this this style of stuff. So this is cool. <laughs> Okay. I like having uh, it, it's another little facet to cover uh, in my theory, which I'll I'll talk a little bit more later. But we're talking about making characters and then making them bad guys after their characters. Yes. Like, making your making your NPCs as characters. Well, we can talk a little more about that later. But <laughs> with I permission, see, I, I would yeah, I, I would use these a little bit more in my game as uh, challenges. Yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the reasons I love the Unearthed Arcana stuff is because even if I don't use it as uh, make it available to my players, oh, 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 you bet your ass, my monsters get it. I know <laughs> you don't know how many blood hunters I've let my players get. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Um, do you agree with our uh, thoughts on the Unearthed Arcana? If you do, please send us email. If you don't, please don't bother because I'm not going to read it. If you don't, tell it to our YouTube comments. It'll help the YouTube algorithm anyway. So yeah, there's... there you go. Go, go to YouTube and leave it in the comments what do you section. Do you just leave a comment? Somebody will see it. Yeah. No, that's not true. I encourage anybody to send me stuff because I do enjoy a good debate. Um, that's true. So. He does. Uh, all right, so before we move on to our main topic, we have a gift to give away. Austin, would you like to tell us about it? Always. The gift to give away today is by Loresmith, the Modular Dungeon Tiles, the Arcania set. The Modular Dungeon Tiles are an easy way to create your own beautiful digital maps. The Arcania lets you make dark, shadowy dungeon maps rich with the fumes of arcane secrets. On one hand, you might find a lich. That's a really bad thing. On the other hand, you might find a Vorpal Blade. That's really good. So that, that, uh-huh. that's right. <laughs> hey, John, who's our winner today? Uh, the winner looks like it's uh, 14. W- Hibbery. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm bringing a t shirt cannon next time. I just want to be <laughs> shoot it and blow out his screen. <laughs> if he can see through it yeah <laughs> you know Fuck yeah i'll fix that <laughs> anyways if you didn't win have no problem head on over to critacademy.com slash loresmith a you can be uh click pick up a free set of digital terrain as well as some one-page adventures if you sign up for our website you'll be entered to win this thing so we give it away mm-hmm. every single week so come and do it yeah Woo. that's a pretty high right yeah 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 <laughs> we're we're pretty we're pretty awesome when it comes to fat loots now fat loots <laughs> Moving on to our main topic, um, today we are discussing the game shop with John Day. Thank you once again for joining us, John. We appreciate it so much, man. Yeah, no problem. Can you, hey, uh, for those that don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, all that jazz? 
Sure. Um, I'm a finance guy in real life in uh, Cajun country, uh, Louisiana, near the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> a 40-year-old guy who played D&D for about 20 years. Uh, ran into a guy wearing a D&D shirt at a fancy party uh, in about 2015 after about a 10-year break. Uh, okay. Bunch of, you know, fancy party. Everybody's all dressed up. There's a little pudgy Asian guy with a... Um, <laughs> It's like he's like it's like D and D something, and I walk over and I was like, "Hey, nerd, what's up?" <laughs> and of course, you know, you, that's sort of a weird way to greet people until you know their intentions. And I, I said, "No, it's awesome, D and D. I used to fucking play." Da, 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 da. Turns out that Doctor, um, his name blank, uh, held D and D, and we started playing and and got into Lost Minds, and and he loves to run great modules with um, cool terrain and minis, and I got into Five E pretty heavy because I hadn't played in. Yeah, three five, and then Pathfinder. Like you know, I kind of, I didn't have a wheelbarrow to bring my dice around for Pathfinder. <laughs> Fourth edition, it's just like they chat all over the game, and nobody cared. And some sort of horrible Tarantino movie, and the writers are all just shooting each other. I'm not sure what happened. It's just my opinion. Don't send me hate mail. Uh, I will later. So, right after this, you'll get an email uh, from me. <laughs> so, so you know, uh, I, I joined. I, I'm, I'm a you know old dude, so I got on Facebook, and um, I looked up D&D page, and there's like a D&D page with 100,000 people on there. Hmm. And then I said, I don't know what it was, but I said some funny shit, and people were like, hey, you got to be careful. It's 2018. You can't say funny shit or whatever. And I'm like, but fuck that. <laughs> funny shit. You know, say that shit. If you need to. It's important. You're telling a truth. You know, be able to laugh at yourself and others, but don't punch down and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, nope, booted. And I'm like, that is a bunch of bullshit. But when you type, <laughs> you're blocked. It's just, it's your own thing. It's not really doing anything. It's just you're right. fuming yourself. There ain't nobody to vent to or hear it. <laughs> so I formed, so I, I, formed uh, I helped join and form uh, a web page. Uh, I would show you the shirt that I'm wearing right now. This is the Andy Park coffin part where I show it to you anyway, but you don't see it. That's a really nice shirt you got there, man. <clears throat> it's Great a logo. Shirt. I would love to pick it up. It's the logo. If you look up uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons uncensored, uh, you'll see a fat red dragon with his middle, middle finger, finger up like this. <laughs> like he's hanging out of a truck with a nut with a don't uh, sign. Who did the art for that? Because that's a really uh, nice piece. I like that. So I designed it and then uh, Marco, a member, a longtime member, you know, made it into it. Like I, I literally sent the scratch on a yellow pad with lines to him <laughs> and he came back. He's like, how's this? And I'm like, Oh, let's make t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we did that. We have a web page and we just do fun shit. And we really try to, our thing is you have a fucking block button. So use it. Like, we have 30,000 D&D degenerates. I lovingly address them as goblins. There's all kinds of people. Right now, there's some sort of trend. It's like a, it's like they take pictures of yourself, and you put it on. You're like, what kind of vibe do I give off? Barbarian? Sorcerer? And just, well, most Fucking commoner. Most people have fun with it, but it's an uncensored page. So one guy's like, what kind of vibes do I give off? And some people are like, like, you should stay 500 feet away from the school. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the rage and the typing. And I'm like, God damn it. You fuckers block each other. I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we don't allow Nazis. We don't allow racism. We don't allow punching yeah. down really hard. We don't allow yeah, yeah. progressive place. Um, we do We do allow. What's cool about it is because you do have some. 
whatever duality you want to assign it to it, political, different thoughts, different spectrums, life, whatever's, and they can have conversations. And we have one rule, which I love. <clears throat> I did not plan this before I saw the notes. We have one rule. It's on our logo. It says, if the logo is a Ghostbusters don't sign, a little B, the letter A, and an eggplant, which obviously means don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only rule. And so that's, that's what I've been doing for a few that's what I've been doing for a few years. I formed a company about a little bit less than a year ago called Dragon Media Groups. Got the website, got the LLC, did all that with a couple of friends. And we, we're brainstorming ideas. Um, okay. One we're working on is Body by Dragon, which is a online fitness thing to where when you get your online fitness, instead of your gym or your guy or your yoga fucker, you get a... <laughs> You get a workbook, and you're either a fighter or a cleric, and that's how you start off. And we've got a nurse and a physical therapist and cer certified personal trainers, and we all play D&D. And they're going to do this online shit, and you're going to tie it into Fitbit and blah, blah, blah. But hmm. what we're working – what I'm working on, my brain trust of the project, is the game shop. All right. You're getting a little ahead of us for a second. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about that. And, and I'll admit uh, – back, back when we could go to the gym before, before they all shut down, I actually would often wear a T-shirt that says – I work out so I can at least do some of the things my D and D character again. <laughs> right. No, and that's a big thing. Like, uh, you know, not to plug my other business friends and stuff, but you're not going to get and sweat. A lot of our community is sedentary. A lot of the gaming that we do is seated in chairs, whether it's virtual or whether it's sitting at a table. So a lot of our community is sedentary. Well, we don't a lot. Of, I'm not saying every fat gamer is a fat gamer. I'm just saying. <laughs> That <laughs> would do you some good, Shaq. You know, <laughs> how we would say it down here. But uh, I want people to be able to, whether they have weights or whether they have whatever, you can actually take control of what you eat a little bit and do 20, 30 minutes worth of shit and get in fighting stance. Uh, HEMA, H E M A, look it up, listeners. It's historical European martial arts. It's people, it's fencing with long swords. Oh, yeah. Like, actually, I do know about this. Hold up. <laughs> you want to know how you're, if you're like, ah, oh, my sword fight in my game, go watch some fucking HEMA. I videos. just accidentally went to HEMA.NL and I don't know that I want to be here. <laughs> uh, I don't know what .NL, historical European martial arts. Uh, it's, it's real. I found the real one. Armored fencing and um, with long swords and shields. Kicks and ass. Buckets. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, like literally, yeah. Unfortunately, the closest oh. place is in Lansing. So for yeah. us, so. We got a little bit of a distance, but um, I guess a little more <laughs> back on to our interview sure. here. Uh, sorry, go back. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a great conversation so far. Uh, what is your most memorable D&D &D moment? Um, my most memorable D&D &D moment probably was, uh, it goes back to one of my, what I call my root characters, where um, I got to play a halfling. And that halfling was sort of like a kinder in my mind from Dragonlance. I was reading those books at that time. Hmm. And uh, I know what so that is now. I got this halfling, uh, Master Fenwick. And he was, uh, he was a creation that I got to play for almost a whole summer. One of those golden stand-by-me, 12, 13-year-old. That's all we fucking did all fucking day. <laughs> all fucking day. Summer and most nights, summers. And we played D and D, and it was epic. And we have a friend who took a lot of that shit down in journals, and we tried to read it, but it was like it's like going back and watching Airwolf. You're like, this shit sucks. But, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. It's a great memory. Um, no, that's good. So yeah, when I when I got back in creating Master Fenwick and having to bring bringing him back and several different fifth edition iterations. Hmm. Okay. Very cool, man. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, then. And now moving <laughs> on to your actual experience. Where do you feel you have at most failed as a DM or as a player, and what did you learn from the experience? See, now that's a tough one. I looked at that one before the interview, and, and, and failing as a DM and a player, um, as a player, you can fail by sort of giving up on yourself or being the asshole at the table if you don't realize it. <laughs> and what I mean by... Yeah. Like, bad fun wrong as far as phones. We're all sitting around. There's six of us. We're playing a D&D game. Everything's kind of fast-paced. It's a thing. Rolling. Everybody knows the rules. This, that, and the other. <clears throat> Look at that asshole. He's on his phone. What? <laughs> yeah, he's on your phone. We were talking about you, and you didn't listen. They had a whole conversation. We stopped playing the fucking game. You're on the phone. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Those are the things, because I'll, I'll free speaking. So um, getting things session zero, I'm big on it. <laughs> it's true. Uh that's when I failed. When I didn't properly plan in session zero or commit to some shit where I've let somebody in or let some uh, player come in who's that's, – that's my biggest failing, I guess, lately in the last couple of years is let a player come play who's not committed. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying like you, Cathy, filth, filthy, casual fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying like that. I'm saying like doesn't care about the game, shows up, barely remembers what happened last time. It's just kind of there. It's a social thing. And you want to bring people in like that. You want to. I, I thought you were going to say me. Yeah. <laughs> I never remember what the fuck happens last session. I just no. remember going absolutely animalistic in it. Thank you, Matt. That's, awesome, That's all right. Um, we got Matt for that. Yep. Yeah, we, we have Matt the scribe. So it works out. <laughs> So very cool. That's definitely something that I think gets overlooked a lot in some games where they the DM or the players might have an expectation. But since it's not communicated early on, they're either disappointed or they break that 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 uh, agreement that nobody actually made because one Mm -hmm. person's used to having it. The other person has no idea. So, um, you know, here's my thing with Dungeons and Dragons, really deep philosophy stuff. All right. You got two different schools of thought and most of it's a blended idea. Like, like cannabis is right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yep. One is a collaborative storytelling. One is a dungeon master versus players. And so, Dungeon Master versus players, to some degree, there's always that. There's always that in every game. But collaborative storytelling is goes down to the details of, as a DM, when you say, uh, swing for your attack. Oh, it's great. It's you roll. Now, describe it. Narrate it. Well, you missed. Well, how'd you fucking miss? <laughs> I'll swing yeah, how'd you miss? Yeah, I swing over and the ship lands in the dirt. Great, thanks. Go on to the next person. Bring your char- bring your people into the narration and collaborative storytelling, and that's you know you get into sandboxes and railroads right, after right. that. But, that's uh, uh, actually really funny because we actually had a a I guess a a character uh, collaborative story building moment when uh, I was like I want to go buy a long sword but we need to role play it and Justin was like yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. My DM who usually tells us what to do is like oh okay sure we can do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of the same yeah. thing too. One thing that kind of, that comes across to me is everybody has their own play style, and sometimes you need to learn how to mesh with other people, other people's, or sometimes you just play in clash. Yeah, right. dude, you have yeah. to love everybody. Like, just because somebody comes in, like, let's say I was running a game in a library, and they were like, they were like, no more porn in the library. Play D and D, and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> just like out. <laughs> I'm not gonna get through this interview without like losing my spleen from laughter, man. No, yeah, there's no way. So, 
that in that situation, somebody walks up and and you're like, hey, what's everybody playing? It's a cool. We're at a con, whatever. It's a AR. It's an AL game. You know, you have to be open to it. Somebody's like, I'm a Sorlocadin. You're like, you get out. You, you know, <laughs> no. You know, yeah, get, that get that coffee lock out of here. <laughs> oh my god! You have, to, you have to accept everybody at least. Right. Yeah, and that's I'll my whole live. DM player thing. And then you have, you know, you don't want to just sabotage DMs. There's a lot yes. of players. Oh that, yeah, those yeah. people are assholes. Who yes. are gonna who like? Hey, look, you want to look at my backstory and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, cool, everything's cool. Did you come? Are you cool? Let me see that shit. Did you roll it? Is it stat by whatever? I don't give a fuck. Is it decent? <laughs> All right, you playing? Everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> And oh, I can see in small print where you had the fucking displacer cloak, and now I have you're a disadvantage every time I try. Well, yeah, but you didn't say. I Shut the fuck up! You're trying to hide it. You know, you know, it's all about intention. Hmm. And sometimes too, a DM just had to step step in and uh, swat them. Are you saying falling rocks? Kind of police the players. <laughs> Backhand right. them. I can remember one time I read that. Get that. Because I remember, like one one game I ran, there was like uh, one time where he played. It's like I'm now down to the, to this HP, and the the player who's playing it clearly, it's like, no, no, don't you tell me that you're meta gaming. Your character does not know what your HP is at, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. and so forth. And I had to step in and go, look, as a DM, what they're doing is perfectly okay. <laughs> so yeah. I always I always ran that. I don't talk about HP when I'm playing. You know, I'll go with lightly, moderately, heavily damaged, wounded, whatever. You be uh, fucked up. <laughs> But that's yeah. okay because everybody has their own playtime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so I yeah. think there's a lot to that's learn my, from that's that. My, yeah, that's my D and D background and my thoughts of how I come in, and yeah. hopefully we can all play D and D again some another time. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to DM, I am, D&D, I am I down for it. Uh, uh, the last the last game I ran online was um, was great. It was, we ran it and it was fun. It, uh, I took it from the page. I said, "Who wants to play in my game?" And you know, 500 people were like, "Me." <laughs> <laughs> Never in 500 out of 5. And I was like, okay, here's the thing. Uh, I'm playing a module. It's Chult. Everyone has to be a goblin. Now who wants to play? <laughs> Five people. Yeah, I got a good little group together and made some friends, and we ran Chult as goblins. It was fantastic. So. I'd do it. Now <laughs> on to why you're here. Sure. Because I know what the game shop is. You know yeah. what the game shop is. Sure. These guys kind of know what the game shop is. But why don't you tell everyone what the game shop is and, and how it came to be? So <clears throat> the game shop is uh, a story about a comic book store, an FLGS, uh, owned by a man named Kevin Smith. No, not that Kevin Smith. That's what <laughs> I thought. I was all excited. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he has uh, sold his soul, you know, like a warlock. Uh, to this documentary film crew who is you her they, they they're gonna come in and film his store dying and if they win he gets the money to keep it alive so that's what you find out in the pilot um, it's basically a story of a dying game shop and uh, what a lot of what you're seeing out there in the real market uh, versus perception Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these kids, they have conversations about Halo and League and yeah. other, that's gaming to them. Like that's a gaming. It's a whole separate subculture now. I thought that and, was a, a really nice touch actually. And I, I appreciated that. <laughs> and there's, and just like any other, just like any other good thing, like cannabis, it's going to be some sort of blend. <laughs> now, 
there's going to be a hybridization of the technology and the virtual <laughs> aspect and the then still needing human contact and social gaming and rolling bones you know what i mean right <laughs> yeah so uh we're so you, you, you've put this together, uh, you've written out the script, which by the way, thank you for sharing the script with me. That shit is funny. I was cracking up reading through that thing. Um, you know, a lot of, um, uh, what I, what I got here's what I'll say. And I got it out of my mouth a long time ago. Imagine watching the office, but it's set in a comic book shop. Yeah. Like that's, that's the easiest way for someone who's seen the office and it's not like parks and rec and it's not, Oh, is it like, no, no, it's not like any of that shit. (laughs) Shit. Yeah. I just got what that actually made me flash back to is uh, the uh, get comic shop I used to go back to, go to when I was in Mount Pleasant. There was um, it was a, you had a comic shop like this. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one point where there it was when in the comics the uh, death in the family story was going on when Batman died, and they're trying to figure out who's going to take up the mantles of new Batman. And out of the blue, I heard the, the comic shop owner go, "Okay, I want to know." Who from the Big Bang Theory hid a microphone in my store? Because they had in one of the episodes them talking about that storyline, and the conversations the characters were having about that storyline were the same ones he was hearing in his store. <laughs> <laughs> the recording, huh? That's, That's funny. funny. That's totally yeah. Um, the game shop is basically yeah. the thing about it. Kevin Smith. Um, well, here's where it started. You asked that part of the question. Where did it start from? So I was sitting with my friend who Kevin, who owns our local small town comic book shop. Now, is this the same Kevin? This is th- his name is Kevin Cincamino. And okay, I can, different uh, Kevin. Uh, yeah, good luck spelling it. That's how hard he is to find. Um, <laughs> uh, but so we're talking and we're laughing, and I'm talking, and I, I'm sort of imagining. Uh, I don't know, I, I like a TikTok now. I guess the easiest way to say it, just making a funny video. Um, a, a guy that doesn't play games. Like Kevin's, Kevin Cincamino owns this shop. He used to collect sports cards. He used to collect baseball cards. Now he knows comics. He's been running this shop for 20 years. Uh, so I imagined a guy who doesn't know comics and doesn't like pop culture and doesn't have any of that stuff. He just owns this game shop because baseball was a game to him. If you see the logo... um. Yep, on the well, it's not up on the he, screen now, but Kevin it's Smith's not a gamer. Kevin Smith always loses. Kevin Smith uh, is just the guy that is bumbling along trying to get uh, this place to stay afloat. He's hired uh, his manager, Devon, uh, gay black guy in his 30s, and uh, and then another employee, Tandy, uh, young 25 year old, hot bounce. Uh, of excitement, and they basically. <laughs> I was gonna say stripper. We're looking at some interesting people to cast. Uh, there's a DM. There's, uh, you know, it's basically they're trying to film a game. So the whole right. pilot is they're trying to film a game of D and D. Stephen Picorni. I don't know if I can put this all out there, but I've, I should be using Dwarven Forge. Uh, terrain. It should be a badass, amazing D. If anybody knows Dwarven Forge, 
Yeah, um, shit's expensive and <laughs> out of my price range, but looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Just like so, a So imagine a scenario yeah. where they've got the you know they've got the lights off and they're trying to just film a D and D set, a student documentary crew, and um, and Kevin bursts in, uh, and a couple of times Kramer style. And that's, <laughs> that's uh that's really what happens you know and you you find out that the the store is going down and and kevin is is he going to take one more swing at the ball everything everything to kevin's a baseball jersey i mean a baseball analogy uh when you see him he's hat backwards uh maybe in every single time uh, a 42 jersey like a ronnie lott jersey or a jackie robinson jersey or a Teen Wolf jersey uh, from Michael J. Fox. I know uh, Teen Wolf. That's the only yeah. reference I got. So look, uh, <laughs> all of those jerseys have the letter 42 on it. He's a big fan of uh, Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide. Yep. Got a signed Jackie Robinson. I got that. Back. I get that reference too now. And, um, you know, he really doesn't want to film the death rattle of his store. Right. <laughs> but it's the only way he has a shot of keeping it open. So uh, we, as gamers, I don't, we used to rely very much on, on comic book stores and those sorts of game sure. stores to really get our, um, get our fix, right? You had to, sure. Hey mom, well, I'm, I'm getting older, but Hey mom, you know, take me in the car, give me a comic shop so I can buy some magic cards or I can pick up a comic or whatever. Sure. And, and that's how you. You got that stuff, so there really wasn't a, a, a really a place to go out. Other than that, now, do you think that the reason that they're failing is tied to just online sales, or oh, is everything. there something else that's it's, causing these local, our favorite local game shops, to close? It's directly related to that. Um, as far as online sales and the easy to get it, uh, that's why you'll see the, the, the game shops that remain will keep a magic tourney open. They'll have a pretty strong Warhammer community, mm-hmm. um, whether they're official games workshop or not. Um, you don't see, you know, some game shops, you still see some D and D, but it's game shops have become this amalgamation of hobby and fandom. And so that's one of the things that we're cluing in on. As I talk to real people in the industry, you know, and talk to people at wizards that have actually, uh, look at scripts and seen different ideas. It's you know how many people that play D and D thought that maybe they'd write a movie about it. Right. I'm talking about all that, all that have a microphone and can speak because at least one of you motherfuckers is like, this game is awesome. This should be on TV. Make <laughs> <laughs> a movie out of this. Got to call James Cameron. I got this shit. I took notes. I recorded that shit. You know, we all have that feeling. But the problem is, is those uh, games that have all been pitched are too game specific. So you're tying in one fandom, you're tying into a comic book, you're tying into a thing. And that's one thing that the real Kevin Smith sort of branched out and did is mm-hmm. a bunch of different fandom. Hmm. Uh, this is this this show is going to be a window into what I keep calling our community. And people are like, well, what's your community and what's my community? I'm like, I don't know what your, your community is, but if you decide you can be in my community, that's what we do. I mean, it's nerddom, it's fandom, it's cons, it's, it's gaming, it's online. It's, you know, just because I'm making a show about the, that, the FLGS and the playing, I'm not going to be like, uh, well, I do, I will tell you, i give you a spoiler right now. Spoiler, ready? <laughs> who knows what Overwatch is? Raise your hand. Okay. So who knows what the O'Doyles are in Adam Sandler movies? O'Doyle rules! I've combined these two concepts. <laughs> you are a man after my own heart. <laughs> so, 
you know, the rough, the rough, uh, I mean, if I was in my camera, I'd be doing the West Side Story where I step backwards and snap my feet, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that, those guys are the bad guys. And so we've set them up uh, to, to antagonize <laughs> Kevin and to, Kevin's whole thing is to get through this. He's going to have to try new things, just like we all are. We're all going right. to have to try new things in this post-corona apocalypse shit, and we're going to have to figure it out. I've got old friends. I've, oh, I'm so sorry. We can't play d and I'm like, motherfucker, we got together every other week, and we drink bourbon, and we do things, and we're all old men. We drink cigars and stuff, smoke cigars, whatever, and play D&D, and he was so happy about it. And then there was coronavirus. And I was like, damn, man, my wife's a nurse. I'm not about it. We're not going to do that shit. And he's like, and I'm like, hey, put your earphones on. There's a computer. And <laughs> he's, 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 his answer was, get off my lawn. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> so, you, we have to adapt. And juxtaposition, what you see in the game shop, what the viewer is going to see is um, there's going to be a lot of good stuff that people in our community are going to recognize and relate to. Uh, the plight of these characters and these individuals and everybody that there's going to be enough to where it's not shot from inside. That's the documentary crew angle. We've built another level in. This is the window into our community for the outside, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like a big bang theory, I guess, because big bang theory had mass appeal and people know what nerd shit is. I mean, Gary Khan was on, would featured on big bang. So I'm not going to hate on it, you know? Right. But that window into the community has to be shot right, has to be shot sympathetically, it has to be shot truthfully. But what we're going to realize, what you and I know, I think, what fucking the accountants at fucking Wisco know, <laughs> that D&D has made more money in the last two years than it did in the last 25. Yeah. And that's just point blank. Yep. They're rolling it over, you know. Yeah. A few years Thanks, ago, you know, all of a sudden, you know, people come out with fucking... Tim Burton movies and Blade, and all of a sudden says, Blade, shit, watch this. And Marvel made a billion dollars, like times a bunch. So yeah. you're going to see D&D break all that. You're going to see D&D break mainstream, and it's happening right now when they're like, hey, Ryan Reynolds, <clears throat> when you're not shooting Deadpool 7, what do y'all do in the trailer? And he's like, we go in the trailer, we play D&D. He's like, he's like yeah, the, what do you what do you guys mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, the metrics shoot through the roof. Uh, yeah. Joe Maniello, Satine Phoenix, and then you have the Matt Mercers and the Matt Colvilles and a bunch of other people who are, you know, have recognizable people. Yeah, you, uh, I know uh, that episode with uh, uh, Vin Diesel was really popular because not only yes. people love D&D, but people love Fast and the Furious and Triple X. And now this guy's like, yeah, I got that shit tattooed across my stomach. <laughs> I know. Like, that's. That's one of those things. Remember I was talking to you earlier about the Sorlocodon? Mm -hmm. yep. That's Vin Diesel. He's like, I'm Vin Diesel and I like D&D. &D. And I'm like, God damn it, Vin Diesel? <laughs> but he's, hey, I think he did Yeah, man, a lot of people like your movies and stuff. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people. It's cool. Have a seat, you know. You gotta... <laughs> so, I have a question. So, we're, we're talking about, you know, what we can do, you know, uh, why, you know, local game shops are closing and everything. And there's a point of contention I've been wanting to bring up on the show for a while. And I don't think I have. And I think this is the best opportunity. Okay. I have noticed that some local game shops charge for their D&D service. Now, personally, before anybody else gives their opinion, oh, I'm okay, okay with that because, hey, they need to keep the lights on. But sure. I know there's a lot of people like, why would I pay to play when I can play at home, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that if that became a standard, that could help or would help or would hinder um, local game shops? So I'll speak on this uh, professionally and then with my 
rash opinion. Um, professionally, I think you got to explore whatever you got to do as a business. Uh, business is a business first. This is all fandom and 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 branding and and marketing at at, at its core. It just happens to be an art and an ethos that we support and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like right. looking at it backwards doesn't help. True. Um, so that's where, you know, if that's something that a game shop needs to explore, like I've seen uh, one guy that went out of business, unfortunately, had a huge storage thing in the back. And he was going to set up stuff where people could come and podcast and stream and all of a sudden it was like a show up, push button, stream your D&D. Oh, that's cool. Damn. That would have been and awesome, I, yeah. And I think that's going to, I mean, if there was a little bit more market for it, I think if I was in a bigger city, I could do it. Um, I think that I think that's coming. Um, that's that's my professional opinion. <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell us the other opinion. My rational rant is is I get so deep in it with these people, they're like, hey, DMing is a sin against Jesus, and I will not <laughs> have it. You know? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, it's, I it. I, um, it's not bad fun wrong. It's really not bad fun wrong. It's it's you have to you have to just be okay with the fact that art is commercial and commercial is art. And mm-hmm. the Red Hot Chili Peppers are a fantastic old band that never sold out, but they sold out the moment they made an album. Mm-hmm. You know, can you keep your art the way you want to do it? Look at somebody. I always go back to. I'm a music guy. Go back to old bands, right? Radiohead. Radiohead made a uh, album called Pablo Honey. It had Creep on it. Creep was the biggest hit in the fucking world. And they said, "Hey, play that song. Only that song all the time." And the radio, and they were like, "Fuck you. We're not playing that song." And all the AR people and all the people that do all, they they were like, "We won't have any cocaine or cool watches. You have to play that song." And they were like, "No." They were like, "Come here. We'll shit on you. You're gonna have." No pool, no fucking labradoodle, nothing. And they're like, that's it. We're that's what we'll do. We'll just be a rock band again, tours and gigs. And then they became Radiohead again. So can you keep your art intact enough and still understand that it's commercial? And that's whether you're paying a professional for DM lessons. That's that's a thing. You yes. want to learn to you want to learn to be a voice actor? Take voice acting lessons. You want to be a learn to be an actor? Take acting lessons. You want to learn to be a cool DM? Find somebody you think's a cool DM that's selling their service, but on Zoom, them blah blah blah, and take some classes. Like that's my thing. I'm like, it's all about it. It's, I'm, but I'm full on Scrooge McDuck, you know? Or what's his, yeah, I mean, I think it's great. But so, I think it's important that people like me, and I have to. I'll put. I'll tap my own shoulder here for a second. I think it's important that people like me get where they need to go in this industry, and I want to hold the art sacred. Uh, and that's what DMG is for. I formed Dragon Media Groups to get from your passion and put it in your pocketbook. Um, and whether that gets you into an industry or whether it's a side hustle or whether it, it's, you know, whatever it is to you, it can be something. And a lot of people are writing cool shit out there and they can put it on DMs Guild. And you can have a work, you guys should have a workshop on how to do that. And charge people say, "Hey, I want to do that shit. Look at all this shit on my notebook." And they're like, "Notebook? That's extra. I don't read <laughs> you like that shit. You I will charge you extra. You pay it three hundred dollars. So you DM, you DM for free. You, pay it? Ian, you will type this shit. 
you know. <laughs> you DM for free, and then you make packages. The first sure. one is dice. This yeah. $5 more, yeah. you get pencils. Yeah. <laughs> the second, no third, and tier, you get a map, but no minis. That's right. You just you, you have to you have to figure it all out. Look, yeah. if you're creating content, if you want to be a content creator in any way, that's what we call artists nowadays. If you want to be a content creator, you have to be able to create your content in a uh, in a way that takes um, three things that I think are important: um, no fear, open heart, sheer will. Um, you combine those things, and you can pretty much do anything. You know what? As a content creator, I now I can 100% say that I am totally on board with that because the amount of time, effort, blood, sweat that goes into this show, into the content that we produce is backbreaking sometimes. Not physically yeah. because it's not labor, but um, the amount of, it really is, it's tough. And so <laughs> people that That's... put that content out really do work their asses off. Uh, you see like, I, so here's my little relation to that. So let's say that you were started writing when you were about 40 and, um, you were, had a hot project that you were revisioning and you sat at a desk for 50 of 60 hours. And your wife is like, what are you doing? This is in madness. And you're like, I'm working. And that still counts. You see what I'm saying? Yes. It's not yeah. backbreaking, but, um, when you're on, when you're talking, when you're moving, when you're moving with passion, when you're pushing your passion forward, um, that takes energy. Yeah. And and this. Yeah. Lots of money. Right. Money. Um, money. Money's the money's the easy part if you have enough content, and you have the right content, and you are willing to put it out there. Um, I am old and technologically stupid. Everyone is so lucky that I don't have so much money and an army of. Um, Tecalumpas. Tecalumpas. Oh my god, we're gonna get shut down because of you. <laughs> no, no, I'm bringing the shit down next time. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, like you know that no shit because I'm old. I don't know this shit. People are. I mean, look, look how hard it was for me to sign on to the uh, fucking thing. <laughs> All he know. had to do was click a link, and we still couldn't get it to work. I don't know. No, I'm using a. I'm, I'm using some sort of too old computer. I mean, it, no, I, I'm. It's on it. You just have to keep pushing it forward. Yep. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next question. <laughs> the crew that you work with for, for this little doc you guys are bringing together. Okay. Quickly, I will. Uh, I've got two writers that help me. I've got a couple of friends that help me um, brainstorm on the on the far ends. So you guys will know about the three tier system first. Tier one. Is a friends and family shoot, and we can do it uh, for probably less than $10,000, and we've got that scraped up and hidden in couches and moonshine. <laughs> the Tier 2 is about a $25,000 production. Uh, we've got a couple of people who are looking to fund that, and that involves bringing in um, a guy from the page, actually, uh, from L.A. I won't, I won't put him on blast yet, but uh, working, active, IMDable, viable filmmaker in LA wow. come down here shoot it uh, I don't know if I can say exactly but there's a certain DM that she's very popular um, and we're in talks with her to actually play the DM uh, 
So that's who we're working with right now. Uh, we've got some we've got some feelers out towards Kevin Smith, and we'll we'll get a little further with that next week. I, did, <laughs> I didn't. I see you like freak out because he actually like liked one of the comments. I did freak out. I did freak out. I should not drink in my social media. We all freak <laughs> that out every time. Uh, I did freak out a little bit because so I'm I'm me. I hope I come across as me in this interview. That's uh, it's easy to figure out uh, where you want to go. Uh, with the show once you have the right people. So True. we're trying to, we're trying to fill the th- three tiers in tier one. I said, friends and family tier two um, indie production and tier three is what we call the Goldilocks factor. What my writing mentor and a few other mentors call the Goldilocks factor. And uh, we don't know if that'll fall in, but that's phone calls with Kevin Smith. will do that. We'll see. I mean, I've been harassing him on Twitter. So if you, Hey, look, follow, follow, don't follow me on Twitter because Twitter's stupid. But <laughs> follow uh, Kevin Smith from the Game Shop on Twitter at this underscore Kevin Smith at this underscore Kevin Smith. Because the real Kevin Smith is at that Kevin Smith. So at so this underscore char- Kevin my, Smith. My character is at this underscore Kevin Smith. So he's this Kevin Smith and the other guy's that Kevin Smith. So I've basically <laughs> been harassing him and tagging him and gorilla twitter marketing but i don't know if that's okay either we'll find out i'll find out i guess hey but uh on cameo hey listen on cameo uh you guys have computers you can google this marilyn gia hetty she played uh dante's girlfriend the famous quote from 37 dicks in a row to the parking lot for 37 dollars, you can have her send a message to somebody from cameo <laughs> did you well, even figure gonna, that out I'm probably because i've i'm i just you know i do shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, I started. I was like, "Oh man, I'm sending a message." On, my friends like, "Hey, look at Cameo. He sends somebody a message, like a birthday message from Andy Dick for a hundred dollars." I'm like, "Fuck, Andy Dick's funny, but not a hundred dollars funny. Come on, you know." <laughs> and then, sorry, Andy Dick. I know we're gonna meet soon. I know you're gonna hear this. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so uh, if we we started talking about finding people. We're looking at people on Clerks. We look for Jason Mews. We look for Jason Lee. And uh, a friend found. Uh, Marilyn Giahetti and she her price is $37. So because of the 37 dicks and Kevin's 37. Kevin Smith's <laughs> real fascination with 37. Yeah. Like my Kevin Smith's fascination with 42. Oh, that's funny. Hmm. So that's that you know, you say you say, how do you get it out there? Well, if you can find an old co-worker of someone and send them a message, that's another way to get their attention. Yeah. Or go on, uh, ask some guys on a, a very not super popular podcast that may be popular someday. Who knows? And come up here on their show. Hey man, I hope that I have to do, uh, I hope that I have to pretend Jimmy Fallon is funny soon. <laughs> I will. I will remember you guys. You will get a shout out when I hit Fallon like, right now. You're talking to Jimmy Fallon. I just want to talk about the, the third step that I stepped out of my way to success. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. This is good. This is this is good for all of us. Uh, where are we at in questions? I'm trying to follow along. Uh, actually, you kind of already stepped into it a little bit, which was uh, what kind of challenges did you run into? Uh, you kind of briefly mentioned uh, about uh, just like uh, finding the people for it and stuff. But um, what other, uh, do you, if any, I, I guess at that point, uh, challenges did you run into? Because to my understanding, you have a script. You're just trying to get the funds or well, if the actors. After- for those of you that are ever interested, I'll give you a quick one-on-one free YouTube blah, blah, blah of how to <laughs> understand how to sell a show. 
if you want to write a movie or a film of any kind, you have two kinds of things. You have a property and a production. The property is your paper, your legals. It's your company that's responsible for writing. It's the writing. It's the Bible of the show, which people can Google that, whether it's a series or whether it's a feature. Mm-hmm. And you have all that separate, and there's a chance that you can sell that paper or sell that property. And that's what most writers do. Well, we're started this. We were going to make fucking TikToks with Kevin answering the phone going, Game Shop, this is Kevin. Huh? Yeah, Kevin Smith. No, not the not the famous one. <laughs> yes, that is disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you need something? Hold on, Devon. Is there a comic called Thirty Seven Dicks? <laughs> what the fuck are y'all talking about? In scene. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his life. I remember reading through that. And I was like, that is great. That's gold. Like literally. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I so, love good stuff. shit like that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. I hope it works out. I hope we uh, I hope we get some attention and get some traction. We're going to shoot this and put it on YouTube uh, with our own bare hands, as they say. Yeah. Uh, before the fall or winter. Uh, hopefully, we're uh, looking at tier two at least because we've got the money for it. So that's bringing in actors that aren't me to play Kevin. Thank God. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm funny. Look, obviously, I'm funny and I'm going to audition. But I mean, if it's like me and Jack Black. It's kind of like the Chippendales, uh, Chris Farley, Patrick Stevie <laughs> thing. You watch some weird you know? shit, man. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fuck it. All over the place. Jack Black, hey, Jack Black to do this. I'm fucking going to the back of the, my trailer. Um, we'll see. I don't know if he's talking about a movie trailer or his home trailer. <laughs> uh, either way. Somebody's like, somebody, I'm going back to my house. Uh, the kind you rotate your wheels on it. Motherfucker. I mean, <laughs> Slayer project comes to me awesome because I I spent time in game shops. I had fun there. I definitely had good groups there. And my major in college was broadcasting, and I managed to get a job in that field too. So to me, this is the things I love in one package. So I'm all for it. But we're really looking forward to trying to expand it. You know what they do to save the shop and 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 how. I mean, imagine this asshole actually starts podcasting. You know, (laughs) and we we follow him doing that. Um, Um. We've got a guy. We've got a bunch of ideas of how he's going to step into. Um, we, we were writing a scene the other day where they walk in. If, you guys have all voted, or at least you know what voting is in theory, <laughs> right? Yes. So, so you walk in, and there's a sort of a standing curtain that's waist high usually, and you you walk in, you pull the little curtain. So imagine like just a desk version of that, like at the like some sort of testing center where everybody has a little tiny desk cubicle, except Kevin's put a little curtain around them. And he's now renting those computers for online gaming and, you know, making fun of them while they have their headphones on. I mean, it's just, <laughs> there's a lot of comic gold. And because here's what you find. <clears throat> and I never got to this. I'll close with this. Okay. What the game shop is about is the renaissance that's happening in gaming. The renaissance that's happening in gaming, the renaissance that's happening in the culture, the commercial break, the wave breaking against the sand, uh, the grass swell of real nerd culture, whether it's comic culture or gaming culture, you're going to see all these countercultures and subcultures and subclasses. All that's breaking mainstream. And uh, it's pretty funny that you can write a show about it dying and people are like, hell yeah, it's dying. Because that's what we talked about at the beginning of the interview. That's what we talked about our own game stores. 
maybe they are dying and there's this perception where they are, but they're not. We're tabletop gaming's not going anywhere. You're going to be able to walk in and have something as big as a pool table. It's all going to be like on Star Wars, AR, VR, uh, Warhammer games. Yeah. Are going to take fucking 90 minutes instead of fucking five hours. Five <laughs> hours? You get it done in five hours? Yeah, well, we get to turn three and fucking argue. <laughs> After you guys yeah. put away the protractors and everything? <laughs> right, right. right. I, um, so that's, that's, that's the truth of it. And I think, I wanna, I think it's going to be a nice comedic window into a couple of different relatable characters that are going to show our community in a really great light. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited for this because – we recently had a game shop closed down, and honestly, it to me it was a big it was, loss. Yeah, it was a it was really recent, wasn't it? Well, last like, year was it last, was it year? last year? Oh, uh, still fairly recent, I guess. Yeah. I miss it because it was a block away from my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, what do they sell there? I mean, like, see, that's that's the different thing about game shops is you have some people like it's. That's called niche marketing, you know. In a, I don't know where you guys are geographically. <clears throat> I haven't stalked all you yet for filing. Um, if <laughs> if you live in a city with a hundred thousand people in it, you have access to X. If you live in a city with two million people in it, that you have to so actually have GW shops, and you have like I, I have some friends in Houston, and these motherfuckers are part. I mean, they're all adults, you know. Um, are they? But they they pay rent. Like there's like literally twelve of them, and they all pay I think two hundred, maybe two hundred fifty bucks a month. It's a nice little note, yeah, right? It's not bad. But they all have keys to a house that they go play in, like this big three bedroom brick house that's nothing but fucking gaming, and every single room is set up for gaming or podcasting or some sort of game table. You know? Huh? I live in the wrong part of the world. Apparently, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just like ten minutes from where I live, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Obviously, I, I, I really support this. I want to see this get as much traction Man. behind it and, and push behind it. Um, oh, yeah, if you decide sure. you need an extra overweight fat guy into it, let me know. I'll make we, the drive. You know what's funny is we have an abundance of those. Uh, as maybe we, a, maybe, maybe a small guy that's 5'6". <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what we're going to make through the first crew, what we're going to need is a bunch of kids. Like That's the first thing that really struck me as we're riding. Like I've got a... I've got a bunch of stuff planned out that I don't want to share, but it's it's going to involve a whole, whole lot of children and a whole, whole lot of swearing, which is funny um, <laughs> yeah. in and of itself. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think we learned that if anybody's watched that uh, shit. Uh, the, Good Boys? Well, that that in the show with uh, the girl 11. What's that? What's that? That's uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things, you know, little kids <laughs> swearing, just hilarious, period. And let's yeah. not forget the movie Kick-Ass. Yeah. Oh, I love Kick-Ass. Uh, anyways, so uh, if people would want to support this or they want to follow you and keep up to date, where where can they go to to kind of – where is this information consolidated for people to to maybe go and, and if you're looking for people to, to hire or people to – if they want to contact you guys, all that stuff. Yeah. We built a complete uh, and total website and had it up and running for seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny, but it's kind of funny. No, it's supposed to be. Because I'm talking, it's funny, it's good. Um, we completely destroyed it and redid it because we need a bunch of legal stuff in, because this might go, that's the thing. That's the, I guess my one real caveat that I'd share with somebody is if you're really about to break and you're really about to talk to people, like have your ducks in a row and your shit together. 
because I've had those conversations. They're like, hey, is the blank blank stuff where you've done all the things and the format and the thing is ready to send to the people and the, the stuff? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Like, cool. You'll send that shit at 8 a.m. I'm, I'm eating cereal at 11.30 watching like old Cartoon Network shit. I'm like, tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will do that shit. I was like, fire up the Death Wish copy and somebody hand me some gummies. I have typing to do. You know. <laughs> Very um, cool. And um, so we, we have to get it done. So that's what I'm working on now. Do you have uh, a... where, where you can follow right now is the Facebook. Okay. That's the answer to your question. I've got a cool uh, little Facebook page uh, where I flush, you know, between personalities. What I want people to do is follow uh, at this underscore Kevin Smith on Twitter um, and try to get Kevin Smith's attention. Uh, that I think that would be the most fun. But we're going to break out with a uh, full-blown website and um, place for volunteers, especially if we go into Tier 2 production sometime around, I know you're going to ask this, July, depending on the apocalypse. Okay. You know? Good. Yeah, I guess we don't have yeah. to ask that now since you just included it. <laughs> uh, the apocalypse. Yeah, no, that's that's been the only thing. We were supposed to start shooting some test shots on April fifth, okay. so we're already behind. Uh, yeah. But the that's really given. I don't know. I mean, if I hadn't had the apocalypse, that's one of the things I guess that's really kind of a weird thing for me specifically. If I had to give, one, can I give you one piece. one small piece of advice? Yeah. If you do a trailer, it needs to include just that scene you just read to us. Oh, yeah. Because, the hell yes. The Game Shop, this is Kevin's. That's where we've written about 13 of those. And uh, that's, these, you know, those are just those are just the ones that really sort of stick in my mind because it's over and over and over again. We have him being trolled like uh, the bartender Mo in The Simpsons, you know, <laughs> it's 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 the recurring joke. Uh, we'll probably have a bunch of those out on YouTube or whatever mm-hmm. prior to that. That's a good um, idea. Shit's funny. Yeah, you know, what, here's, but there, some of them are quick and simple. <clears throat> Game Shop. This is Kevin. Yes, Kevin Smith. No, not that Kevin Smith. Yes, I did hear he owns a comic book store. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm not him. Pretty fucking sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, swearing your ads to it. <laughs> well, and that's, that's one of the fun things uh, that you're going to see is um, we had to look at censoring the art because when you sculpt in swear words like Robin Williams or George Carlton uh, or, or some of the greats, Richard Pryor, fucking Dave Chappelle, um, when you sculpt in profanity, uh, you have to be aware of the market. Mm-hmm. So can I put this on YouTube? I can say uh, transvestite donkey witch if I want to you know, on YouTube, but people will send me hate mail just for those five or six words I just put out. But that was a South Park thing, not me. Right. Um, but when I'm trying to put this on TV, potentially HBO, potentially Netflix, potentially whatever, um, I had to... Mindful. I, yeah, I had to address it. So we addressed it really cleverly, I thought. Um I did. I think I saw you said we. You're only allowed once one fuck, <laughs> right, uh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, all the all the all the f's, all the f bombs, all the fucks are bleeped in the whole show, in the mm-hmm. whole script, except okay. for one. And they say it's for the rules. But if you go back and you look at the script, I mean, there's. He says, uh, "Well, why only one beep? Well, we only get one. You only get one beep because of the rules. One beep. <laughs> we only on one beep." 
well, there's going to be plenty to beep choose from. You know, that's the, <laughs> that's the, oh that's my the, god! The, I the, am the quick pace and the lots of swearing. And there, there's one part where they're interviewing Kevin, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm Kevin. This fucking beep thing scratching beep me." And he's like, oh, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry." And they're like, "That's cool. We'll fix it in post. Actually, yeah, we're going to put we're going to put fun sounds over it." So oh, it might be a fun thing because you're watching it through the documentary eyes. So these right. guys right. might go back and put hoo-ha and the sound, you know, Western sounds, you know, or dinosaur sounds or clubhorn. What? Yeah. Th- th- cowbell. Thong. A uh, little girl going, who am I? Or Joyce Takai going, oh, my. You know, right. all kinds of fun shit that we can add into the zany, zany, quick face comedy. Mm-hmm. I love it. I really, really love it, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting it to the next step and coming back to talk to you a yeah. little more. Yeah, when you start shooting, send us snippets, man. I'll give you my feedback of what I like and what I don't like because my opinion matters to me. Well, it's, at uh, least he fixed his statement right at the very. I'm like, I'm like, oh, hold on. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to reply as well, but he he sort of nipped it there. <laughs> Well, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about the game shop. Um, like Absolutely. I said, if you guys, uh, if this sounds like something you would want to support as uh, as a, a nerdy listener, Crit Nation, please head on over to Twitter. Uh, Twitter, what the fuck, Justin? <laughs> same same thing. Quit Twitter. Just don't, don't do it. Head on yeah. over to Twitter to at this underscore Kevin Smith. Um, tell them what you liked if you heard about it on the show or give Please, them a yeah, follow yeah. and all that jazz. Or yeah. you can follow on Facebook. There's a link to the uh, Game Shop Facebook uh, group on mm-hmm. my on the show notes as well. So, Well, thanks for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it. Love the show. And uh, looking forward to uh, – I hope that my first impression went well and that you guys will play D&D with oh, me. Oh, you're That's not off the hook yet. We still got another yeah, segment of the show. Man. Okay, hold on. He's I'm like, I got to get the f- out of here. He's <laughs> <laughs> like – I'm done okay. talking about myself. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm He's right. like the rogue using cunning action. I gotta hide, I gotta hide. <laughs> right in plain uh, sight. Hey, dude. Uh, goblins are dope like that. Nope. <laughs> goblins are like, I disappear. What do you mean? I mean, I disappear. I fucking disappear. That's, I don't know what your mechanics of dice say, but... I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put on the squads quick. <laughs> um, in. Round two, let's go. Ding, ding. Before we move on to our <laughs> other tips and tricks segment... Uh, we have another gift to give away, compliments of Jeff Stevens. Ian, would you like to tell our listeners about it? I can totally do that. Revolutionize your game with this collection of 28 villainous NPCs, ranging from small fry to world enders, eight of which include maps, details of their lairs, sinister side quests, terrifying overlords, bounties, one-shots, and more lie inside waiting for you. We present to you, Jeff Stevens, Villains and Lairs. Two. Yeah. Guys, this is the second one. <laughs> John, who is our winner today? Nick's underscore hobby stop. Congratulations, Nick's underscore hobby stop. Uh, if you enjoy the adventure, please leave Jeff Stevens a review. Tell him what you liked about it. Tell him you got it from us here at Crit Academy. If you didn't win, have no fear. The boys at Crit Academy are here. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff Stevens and get Villains in Layers 3 free. You're welcome, Jeff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jeff, thank, No, thank you, Jeff. 
Because of Jeff, not because of us. Yes, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm definitely bringing gifts next time. Like, I, <laughs> I brought rum. But I'm <laughs> Hey, you know, rum is always always good. I would I would totally share my rum with you, but next time I will bring gifts. Uh, we'll have a call. We'll, this is great. I love this. That's funny. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. And our first UTT is our character concept. Austin, would you like to tell us a little bit about the Shaded Seer? Absolutely. This is the Shaded Seer from uh, the Game Master's stash. It is often said that the Dark Priestess of Lolth are not Lilith. Uh, <laughs> 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 had to really take a take a look at that one. Are the dark beating heart of the Underdark. If this is true, then the Shaded Seer is the all-seeing eye. Mm. She sits atop her throne upon an ancient subterranean ziggurat. Ziggurat? Ziggurat? I don't, I don't know. GG's. Yeah! As the, she studies and weaves the webs of fate. Many journey to her in search of wisdom or, or favor. Only a few are ever permitted an audience. However, those that have come back from the encounter are different. It may not be a big difference, but they are never quite the same. She often attracts the ire of Lolth and her followers, as she often makes a point of exposing the hypocrisy of the church. This tension has led to many assassination attempts and a few minor border skirmishers. However, tensions grow by the day as the seer seems to be amassing a force of her own. Now, normally our encounter concepts are specifically able to be NPC or PC. This one is more of like a, a, a short adventure, big bad, or an important mm -hmm. NPC plot line um, to a plot line. Um, I really like this idea because I don't, I don't include enough of the, the underdark sort of stuff. And There's some weird stuff in the Underdark. I know, right? <laughs> like um, weird stuff. <laughs> and if you are looking to delve into it, this could be a really great uh, character with a hook to bring your characters uh, into the Underdark, aside from the traditional, hey, you ran into a drow, which is kind of how I imagine most go, but I don't really know since I've never done it. Um, right. But I love the idea of this Shaded Seer, this, this Priestess of Loth, who, you know, is, is dark, but isn't necessarily just outright villainous to the point that she, she kills. She, she offers wisdom and favor. So for me, I see this being a, a, like an NPC that the, the players need yeah. to seek out to gain some source of information. But she requires some sort of weird-ass payment. What do you yeah, think, I'd, John? I'd, she'd slide right into OOTA. That's one of my favorite. I'm a module guy. I mean, I homebrew like by the seat of my pants in different <laughs> forms of uh, mental states, but normally, but I, I like homebrews. I can dig a homebrew um, <clears throat> without giving too much spoilers away. Uh, I think it's the most uh, challenging uh, 5e module so far. Oh, yeah. Um, can you tell us sure. what that module stands for? Sure. Uh, out of the Abyss. Ah, okay. oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Without, without giving too many uh, spoilers. Mm -hmm. uh, so here's what I did I'll get, I, I had my six characters all roll up. Uh, characters, and then uh, I took the character sheets and I brought them back after session zero for session one, and I handed them back to them, but I had adjusted it for them to where they was just them and their underwear. So that that's how it starts. Ah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. You completely um, take. You're like 
You're like, can I, they're like, can I have a magical item? That's like, you're level fucking one. Which one is a magical item? I just want this, you know, like boots of elven kind or something. Because that's how you get that shit at Walmart. And I'm like, there's no boots of elven kind at Walmart. There's no Walmart in Faerun. And you can't get that shit because you're level one. And they're like, okay. <laughs> you want a magic item? I'm gonna, I'll make this stick yeah. disappear up you're your like, ass. But, you're like, but they're like, I want, I'm like, you might be going in the underdark. They're like, oh, fuck yeah. I'll get candles and all kinds of underdark shit. And you're like, cool. And then you take your character. What's even good is you can start them at level five. That's what's really, that's what's great about this module. You can easily dump level five, level 10 characters into this adventure. And the first thing you do is you rob them all of all their gear and throw them in a drow prison with about, I want to say, seven or eight NPCs. Something so like be, that. Yeah, I remember yeah, reading. So be ready to fucking do some voices or whatever or be a badass DM. But it's, it's a good adventure. But this would fit great there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I do think you could even pull this off with a player character if you decided to play like a, a drow uh, knowledge domain cleric or death domain cleric. I could see that, Or yeah. even a divination wizard. I think that sure. would work. So okay. overall, I think this is a great concept. Ian, do you have anything to say on it? Nothing to add. All righty. That'll do it for our character concept. The seer, the shaded seer by from game master stash. If you're not following our crit nation buddies over at game master stash, you need to, they put out some amazing content every single day. Like, I don't even know how they keep up with that shit. I'd like to bring back, uh, what we were talking about for a character concept for a bad guy concept, Master Fenwick's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. bad guy iteration of that day. Long, it's, long story short is you you take a you know 15th level halfling, mostly lore bard with a little bit of warlock, uh, g- give them the lucky feet and then all of the halfling racial lucky feats. Damn. All right. It's a now lot of lucky. Right. Now <laughs> you're talking about Domino from uh, Deadpool. Like yep. I had a, this character like was like, I'll jump out of the airship. And they're like, where are you going? And they're like, bye. And they jump out of the airship. <laughs> and of course there's a fucking Disney part, you know, to land in when he drops. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a great. That does sound awesome. Like, cause I'd like to come back and flesh that, flesh that out with you guys and see if that would actually make a decent. Uh, I think you, know. you can make it do it. Especially if you combine it with the, the divination wizard, the lucky feet, the halfling feature. I mean, all of that stuff, just you control it. All right, moving on to our monster variant. We have the uh, a Crowan Crusader. Now, following with the, the, the theme uh, of last week where we... The upcoming uh, Mythic Odyssey of Pharaoh setting, I went through and I picked up a magic card from that that uh, that campaign setting, and I used it for the inspiration of this monster. Uh, Ian, would you like to tell us a little bit about it? Today we are covering the Acroan Crusader from Theros. The Acroan Crusader is a soldier that has proven themselves in the battlefield and commands the respect of their troops, who obeys their orders without question. They fight shoulder to shoulder and leave the battle with, with their shields around them. For me, long lay they live. I like how they <laughs> we leave it with our shields or on top of our shields. Usually, it's it's there's no in between. <laughs> Impressive, otherwise. That makes me think of the war monster from Judge Dredd. Like that's always a fascinating concept to me. Sure. Um, the the warlock. I like the concept. It's the it's back to the old. Oh, I wish I could make a beast master in five e. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna get no support from me. I think that that's a great class. So yeah, of course it is. Um, I want, but they don't have a. But it's shitty. 
They don't have a cool. They don't have a cool control mechanism right now yet, in my opinion, for a lot of the control mechanism classes and necromancers and beasts because they're they're like, well, it'd be OP, and you're like, I know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and uh, but look, this is a this is a this is a war soldier. It's an crusader crusader. Uh, crusader. Um, it's like Kronk. I was telling you about like one of the best guard. You have to think. You have to be creative when you're putting monsters out there. Like if you put a monster out there and you want it to live and be a big melee combat fucking beast, then take another small melee combat beast. That's uh, Goliath. Cause the Goliath has an intelligence of what Alex? I don't know. Uh, what is not a whole bunch for 400. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're man. like, it doesn't matter because he's an abjuration wizard. So you have like a 12th level abjuration wizard Goliath. Does he give a fuck about Wall of Force or any of the other stuff that he has to cast in his intelligence being low? No, he does not. Did he pick Warcaster? Yes, he did. So <laughs> now you have to go get the shield generator like in Star Wars and you have to go to the fucking Endor first. You have to go and kill the Kronk before you can kill the Big Bad. And I think that's sort of along the lines of this kind of monster variant yep. directing like the directing the traffic of the aggression. Um, Ian, would you like to tell us how, uh, cause I, I really like where he went there. Um, yeah. and I honestly think it was a little better than what I came up with, but do you want, do you want to uh, tell us hey, about bro, how they patrons. Can... I don't have any patrons yet. <laughs> you'll, you'll get there. It only took me three years to get like 50. Nice. <laughs> slow prog process. Dude, you probably make the dollars. God damn it. That's real dollars. I'm sorry. Well, Keep going. Most of it, most of it goes dollars. into reinvesting in the show, but uh, there's some, there is I'll the good news the is it's post. not out of my pocket no more. Really? That was, that was, that was hard to convince the wife yeah. to let me keep doing now it. We just pimp out the cats. Okay. Keep going. Uh, all right. Austin, uh, Ian, would you like to tell us about how to build this, uh, how we built the, uh, crow and crusader though? Once again, I think his idea was a little bit better and shame on me. Yeah. Well, we, we actually did throw out quite a few ideas on the table and they, but what we have written down right now, though, is you start with the bandit captain, mm-hmm. and the change you make is you throw out multi-attack. But in return, you give them legendary actions, and they get two legendary actions. Mm-hmm. And the first one is Blade Storm, which costs actually two of those legendary actions. The Crusader moves up to its speed and targets each creature within five feet of it during its movement. Each creature must succeed on a DC 14 deck save or take 1d6 plus 3 slashing damage. It's called a whirling dervish. It's true. The the Crusader's cool. movement during its action does not trigger attacks of opportunity. That's great. I Correct. like that. And the other that legendary action, which only costs one, is the Crusader lets loose a battle cry that can be heard up to 300 feet away. If there is an ally within, within range, roll initiative, and a guard joins the battle next round. That's cool, actually. I like that a lot. I don't know why. I, I like the idea of just like this dude who's just like that has obvious influence everywhere, and he's just like, "I need more men," and he just screams for like three seconds, and you're this, everyone else is looking guy like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> this guy's just screaming, and then you're like, you know, around later, and this guy comes out of a fucking tree, and he's like, "I'm here to help you, boss," and you're just like, "Oh, that, that makes more sense." He can't do that again, guys. That's bad. <laughs> A legendary action like unless you get him on surprise like the first time you're like i do some shit he's like okay you did that shit watch this hey motherfuckers yeah. and, and then like and then like two more are running towards you 
because <laughs> he can get two legendary actions, so he can do this twice Correct. each round potentially. Correct. Yeah. Um, Legend legendary action make is is a very very very, and I'm not judging it. This is not saying it about this, but legendary actions have to be very very carefully weighed when you put them on bad guys. Oh, it's or true. Absolutely. So powerful. Honestly, um, I wonder. So, I not for all these, but when I go to use one of these in my games. Um, I spend a lot of time running them in a solo encounter test where I've got uh-huh. a party and I see how long they can go generally. And mm-hmm. one thing I've learned, and I think everyone will agree with, if you purely everyone? go, well, I'm always right. I'm sorry. So, I'm yes. sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, is I'm that here for comic relief. That's all I know. Some people believe that the CR <laughs> rating is inaccurate and that the monsters aren't challenging enough at the rate they are now. That's uh-huh. under the assumption that the players have no magic items, which then as soon as you give a player a magic weapon in the first couple levels, you've already thrown out the CR rating and any of okay. the monsters. So, so yeah. go ahead. Uh, uh, so here's something I found. Uh, it's worth writing down. It's worth remembering for most uh, DMs, I think. A encounter CR is balanced against a four-player party and not much magic and badass optimization. So if you add two party members, for example, well, that a, there's a chart that says, okay, now the CR and the hit points and everything about this monster encounter goes up 50% twice, so 100% more. And you're like, now two of them are fucking optimally equipped. Okay, well, that's another 25%. Like, I have figured out with this little chart, and I run these encounters and everybody's like oh shit at the end they're like oh you thought my shit <laughs> i almost lost some hit points and stuff and i'm like yeah because it's hard because you guys the thing is supposed to have 41 hit points the metagamer the met- hey that thing has 41 hit points fuck you you see where it says dm on my shirt uh-huh 123 <laughs> hit points roll initiative you know um <laughs> now in this you just situ- have to adjust it to make it balance in this situation uh honestly when i first started i wasn't super great at this um I've gotten a lot better over the years. Um, the reason why this is, uh, it, I, I agree 100%, it is dangerous. But the mm-hmm. amount of damage that uh, two of those guys can put out is just a little more than his multi-attack. And since we got rid of that, it's just slight, It's still within the top end damage of the recommendation. Now, that's assuming that he uses it twice in one round every round. Now, the things that summons only have 11 hit points, so most players can chop them up in a single blow. But what this is what this is supposed to do, well, first of all, the inspiration was a card that when it came into play, it summons a guy. So I had to stick with that theme. But the other thing I like about this is it gives an, uh, a good sense of an ongoing flow of battle. Because sometimes people go into a, a keep and assault it, and they only fight the shit in the first run, run, room. When you sure. know damn well, somebody like, hey, there's fucking intruders, everyone get in here and kill them. Well, do you guys ever use waves on the battle map? Oh, hell yeah. Wave, I mean, wave. That's, that's, that's what that yeah, is. That's, yeah, uh, that's that's that was a that was a critical thing that I, I guess I learned uh, playing a couple of years ago, um, and I learned that playing with a friend in uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I am a fucking beast mode, and he's like, here comes zombies, and I'm like, smash, 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 and you just tick, 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 and all of a sudden I'm like, I have always used all my smites and my touch my I touch myself to, for healing and all of that shit, and he's like, yeah. And in this round, these all move forward. And I'm like, uh-huh. They're getting close now again. 
He's like, yeah. And then there's 17 on the back. I'm like, guys, this is this is not gonna be good. We gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. So you can use waves as like these um, almost railroad deterrents. Um, you know, like people are like, I want to go this way. <laughs> okay. And there's some DMs that I don't think realize that too. No, yeah. you, and you don't have to be so controlling with the narrative about it either. Right. You can use your you can use your combat like that pretty yeah. easily. Um, before we move on, do you guys have any other comments on this? Did you want me to pitch mention some of my other ideas oh, I came up with? Yeah, or? sure. Knock out, knock yourself out. Oh, all right. Yeah, um, I didn't include them honestly because I was lazy, and, didn't want to go back and edit it. And that's fine. <laughs> that, <laughs> to <it> all honestly, <laughs> these are bad guys. You what's so? What's the, this section is ideas for monster variants? So you're just taking normal monster manual stuff and, and giving it a subclass or a cool yep, feature. You, you take away some of its stuff because we still try to yeah. keep it balanced so they often have to lose some certain features but then we mm-hmm. add things to kind of offset them to make them different that's why they're a variant yep. mm-hmm. and the uh, couple other ideas i pitched too and i don't think this is totally optional at this point is mm-hmm. i they're supposed to be spartans i'm like how about we give them shields and we give them the uh guardian or defensive fighting style <laughs> And on top of that, also give me a legendary action to where him and allies can do a move action for, for free with the idea of their marching in formation. Yeah. The- well, you know, you know what that's akin to is uh, you setting up uh, guards in a battle, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and you, you're going to go fight guards with minis. Like you're going to go fight multiple models, like a Warhammer fight almost. Ah, well, what you can do is you can, you can say, these guys are Roman phalanx blank, whatever's right. They, and give all, give them the Sentinel feet. Ooh. Ah, now you got really, now you got really close if you get too close to three or four of them at once and get fucking wrecked. And that's a and that's a you're what you're doing is is just adding a little bit of depth on something that normally doesn't have the possibility to add that depth to it. Putting right. a feet into nice. a monster. That's great. Yeah. I like that a lot too, yeah. And yeah. I can I can definitely see where it, depending in certain situations could be a bit powerful, but you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's if there's like right. five of them and they're all marching like this, like, hey, buddy, you want to try and hit us? And you're just looking at them like, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's an opportunity where that's a great setup that the DM can set up and deliver for an opportunity for that wizard to cast that fireball and nuke shit that he wanted to. That's true. Again, yeah, that's tying for me. This is all ties back to session zero and bringing someone we, and we're role playing. And are you role playing with someone who? Wants to hack and slash. Are you role playing with someone who right. wants to role play a lot? He has, he has um, quite a few hack and slashers in his yeah. party. For me, I want you to be scared of losing your character, even if you don't get attached to it. You know, I want you to be engaged in the story to where shit seems like you're just getting by in the nick of time, and it's all sort of scripted for you, even though you're making the choices and you're running through the bar that's exploding. That's what I was, I was saying earlier. I told Justin a little bit about this. Basically. I think the best DMing moment was when I realized that I took all the characters that I make when I, cause you make characters, you're like, I'm this weekend. I'm going to work on my new campaign. The thing with the waterfall I told you guys about where they go up the river. I'm going to draw a map to that shit. And then we talk about the farmer and there's going to be all kinds of NPCs Friday, Sunday. What'd you do, bro? How's the river farm fucking map? You're like, Oh dude, I made these seven new warlocks, you know, <laughs> they're all related. So yeah, Take all that shit and you turn those into bad guys. That's sort of been my <laughs> oh yeah, for a long absolutely. Time. So that's how I came up with a, a party. Basically, of a the autumn people, uh, something wicked this way comes, yeah. led by the halfling. They have the Kronk guy. They have a Yon T paladin. Um, you know, yeah. they're fun characters, and then make them bad guys. 
Uh, all right, so um, moving on, you actually uh, are providing an encounter for us to discuss today, right? Sure, yeah. For uh, John Day, would you like to tell us about the Assassin Vines encounter and how that kind of so, unfolds so we can poke and prod at it? Yeah, so so uh, Assassin Vines uh, came upon uh, twice. Once when I played Assassin Vines, and if you'll look up Assassin Vines, uh, I'll even look it up myself so I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I was playing with them once again in uh, Jolt in Cholt, uh, in Tomb of Annihilation, one of my favorite uh, modules. Uh, Assassin Vines 5e. Okay. Now, now, was this something that was officially released? Because I couldn't find it in any of my books. Uh, uh, I see something here. Yeah. I'll, I'll describe it. Here we go. Ghost of Salt Marsh. Assassin Vines. A semi-mobile plant that collects its own grizzly fertilizer by grabbing and crushing animals and depositing its carcass into near its roots. That's awesome. A mature, That's hard. A, a mature plant consists of a main vine about twenty feet long. So base attack is grapple, a plus three and a plus twelve. Uh, it's got a slam, plus seven melee. Um, another full attack, and I think it's a six d six poison when it gets you. Hold on, let me look. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty nasty. It can do some some fun stuff to players. So this sounds great. I like this because if you are if the players are one of two things, they don't know what's going to happen. It starts pulling them when they're sleeping in their bags like little delicious knapsacks, mm -hmm. um, or they're going into an area that's heavily invested or uh, invested. Um, they go in, they know they're going to encounter these things, and they try to prepare for them. I think this would make a great for an opportunity because you can have all the the characters being pulled by multiples of these in all different directions, so that they're forced <laughs> to fight uh, Dude, on their own. Are, yeah, these this is a large plant. Okay, eighty five hit points against. Uh, once again, I'm going to caveat against the level four. So I'm I'm dealing with five or six badasses, <laughs> belt buckles and all. I'm I'm running this thing at one hundred and fifty hit points. It's got a uh, speed of five feet, a climb of five feet, strength of 18, constitution of 16, damage resistance to cold and fire, uh, immune to blinded, deaf and exhaustion, prone. None of that shit works on it. All your prone shit. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> It's got a challenge rating of three. So this is a CR three uh, creature. Now here's what's up. False, false appearance. When the assassin vine remains motionless, it is indistinguishable for a normal plant. That's the scary part. Yep. Because <laughs> you can walk into a group of these things or right up to this okay. thing and not see it. Correct. You'll never know. Yep. Correct. So um, con so actions are constrict. So when it constricts, uh, big grapple, 2d6 plus 4 bludgeon. It's really On top of that them. is a 6d6 poison at the start of each turn. So uh, entang yeah. is there a limit to how many it can entangle? Like, does it say that it can only hold one at a time? Right here on that particular one constrict, uh, the vine can constrict only one target at a time. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking of how I would make this encounter super <laughs> yeah. engaging. Yeah. So I like the idea. You're, the traditional scene, should this should be in the forest and dragging over the stuff. But I love the idea of having like a rip or a crack in the mm -hmm. area that's full of like swampy mud and everything. And it's dragging the person through it. Um, so they have to now make saves from like drowning, much like the um, the uh, what is the the big giant 
nature beast, the the shamble shambling mount, the shambling, shambling mount, mount engulfs them. I would even add that ability as it's dragging them through like a marshy area, so that they are potentially could be drowned. Um, so what what I did is um, uh, they really kicked my ass and nearly cost me my character's life in uh, in Tomb of Horrors, which is a brutal campaign. <laughs> that is brutal. <laughs> uh, so I decided to. Uh, turn it up and turn it up a notch bam uh for my characters they were like we are so tired and it's hard for all the mosquitoes and stuff and chalt that kill us and i'm like <laughs> you see nothing yet there's the cave <laughs> and they're like there's a cave and i'm like there's a cave like and then near the jungle there's sort of a a large rock outcropping like rats of nim and there's a big under to it and it seems to be nice and they're like we like it and i'm like yeah you do and so they went over there, and there were these beautiful, nice vines, <clears throat> and they found fruit and shit growing on them. Oh, <laughs> that's a smorgasbord for the plant, but they think it's for them. Correct. So they went <laughs> in picked the fruit. But see, what I did is I backed up the plants. I gave the plants, uh, the assassin vines basically were under the mind control of a very evil druid Love who it. was a toxic druid sort of like the old uh fern gully toxic <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh had a sort of a, a nausicaa valley of the wind thing going and okay. uh, waited till they were all asleep yep making this quick that reminds me of like one pathfinder game i played where we escaped from slavery we took refuge inside a, what we thought a better temple we summoned a sloth so we, so we could kill it for meat <laughs> Yeah. Ah, yeah. And, then, and then, and then we were trying to skin it. We got to take my raptors because it smelled the carcass. We killed the raptors, and it turned out the temple that we took refuge in was a necromancer temple. So all the raptors and the sauce we killed came back to life as zombies. In fact, that's what we're trying to sleep. <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those great encounters where it was <laughs> You can put them in a temple. You can put them in a dungeon. You right. can put them in anything. It's just a wonderful, wonderful, simple, simple dungeon mechanic. You're like, the players are like, what does it look like? And you're like, well, it looks like there's fucking, there's wood, there's there's like stone walls, man. There's like, you walk and there's stone walls. It's a dungeon or a castle or whatever the fuck it is. There's some vines and dirt and stuff, and vines and dirt and walls. You, you good? And they're like, hey, we check for traps. And I'm like, there's no fucking traps. <laughs> like, we did our perception test. And I'm like, you found a view roll above a 16, so it's good. There's Everything's fine. Looks good. Yeah. Right. Looks clear. And then, well, here's the thing. Uh, also, I want a small 10-second rant. Fuck passive perception. Um, in general, it's okay. But these people are like, I'm not paying attention. I have a passive perception of 18. I see everything the book says is 16. Suck a dick. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You're not, you have to look for it. You're not paying attention. That was about 18 seconds. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that's a great encounter. I definitely am going to use that because I love stuff like that. So I'll have you to, like sure. You have to remember that the deal. druid has plant growth. That's the thing. If you're in a spike plant growth. area, plant plant growth and spike growth are some of the most overpowered spells in the game, especially at their level. If you really look at what they do, right, and then you start hiding. Myconid mushroom people that can, the, the druid can cast enlarge on. You're like a little mushroom that runs up to you that's three foot, and you're like, oh, fuck a mushroom. All of a sudden, they cast enlarge. It's a 900 pound mushroom that's slamming you with 
poison spores. I'm just, right. I'm just seeing. My players are like, this is not Dungeons and Dragons. This is Attack of the Toxic Garden. What the fuck? You're like, it's five of rules. It's raw, bitch. I did this all the time. <laughs> I'm envisioning uh, Mario going to pick one of those mushrooms and it growing and stomping on his ass. Yeah, I like to have a good time. Uh, I think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, Assassin Vines. Austin, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Absolutely. I love magic items. I'm talking Me too. About them. I just don't the like giving part. them to my players. Yeah, but that's okay, you know? Though I did just give you a legendary one, so I want to hear it. Uh, did you, though? Was that a plot device? <laughs> Why can't it be both? I guess you're right. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, this magic item today is the Chain to Memory. Again, this is more part of our, our little Theros theme that's going on. Pretty fun stuff. It's a wondrous item, and it's uncommon. Um, do you want me to read the details? Yeah, you can read the flavor text. Okay. Those, I don't know. Just like, <laughs> Those who do not learn from their mistakes are bound to relive them. When you miss with a spell attack of third level or lower, roll a d20. On a 19 or 20, you regain the expended spell. That is so good. What? <laughs> you regain the expended spell slot. You can use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. Okay. So immediately, this should be, I think, a rare item. Well, um, I guess it, it's only. It's supposed to be long rest only. I put it on short rest. It's supposed to, I, I had okay. some discussions and it should be long. I fixed it. I was like, short rest? Long Hello? rest. <laughs> yeah, but 19 or 20. So it's pretty. Yeah, 10% chance of getting it off in the first place. So. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really think just the immediacy that that flash in my eyes. I was like, could you imagine this on like a, a warlock, like a paladin or a warlock or something, where they're just kind of like, I don't know. You just like I use the command spell. Uh, well, I guess it would be a spell attack, so I guess it'd be something else. It'd have to be like. I think a short rest is probably fine. Yeah, I could see it be like, fine. You still have to get a nineteen and twenty. Yeah, it's still pretty tough to get, but yeah, I, just the the idea of gaining back spell slots is just kind of crazy at any given time. But uh, I, uh, I like it a lot. I mean, the thing is, you have to miss with a spell attack, so it can't be like saving throws. I'm assuming not a right? fireball. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's still fairly Unlimited. limited. Yeah, I like it a lot. What is the chain to memory is it just like a literal chain that they hold on to or is it like a necklace like a necklace i honestly i forgot i guess either way it'd be fine or like i was looking at like 20 cards and shit when i so this has got uh like a i don't know it looks like he's holding it around it's wrapped around his arm so so it's like a it basically uh you target a creature uh and it allows them to manipulate their spells so their deck. Okay. It weakens okay. a creature and lets them manipulate their deck. So this was manipulating <laughs> their memory or their spells in this case. Okay. So, that's kind of cool though. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I come to this shit just randomly. So. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> like, okay. I, that looks like it fits. Um. What do you think about this, John? Uh, I like it. Um. It's not terribly overpowered. I. I it's the first glance that really. Uh. It, it threw me off guard just because the whole. You know, you gain a spell slot back. <laughs> well, the, the pearl of power. I mean, spell slots are once again it's economy. I like the pearl of power. I like things that give me spell slots back. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Know, uh, even you know, dips and warlock if I have to. But mm-hmm. um, it's okay. Uh, Thanks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Ian, what do you really... think? <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> as is, I think the short wrestling can stay just because the odds of just even um, working in the first place is low. So yeah, it's it's you're you're get a ten percent chance. Right. So basically, you get a ten percent chance of anything that you miss with just that. spell attacks. So it's not even like fireball or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's the I mean, big one, I think, for me. But then you and can't if, use it again until you finish a, a, a shorter to, long rest. So. Yeah, no, I, this is this is this shouldn't require attunement. This is um, a, that's not overpowered. This is and, uh, and it's third level or lower spells too. So right. And right. even if you don't get the the nineteen or twenty, and so like you it's used to you, you would, hit the ninety yeah, percent, you don't get to use it again. You like right. you lose the chance. Without, so a, I can without see attunement, it. without attunement, I could see it. I would never put any sort of ten percent chance on an attunement slot. Yep. Yeah, me personally, it's good stuff. Uh, though, honestly, so. it wasn't there to begin with, but then his reaction, how powerful it was, I was like, I probably better add that in there. Because <laughs> uh, like again, it was the first glance, right? Because yeah. uh, oh, it's always the the you... power to regain spell slots is always interesting. It's, Times can be scary. Yeah, no, I agree. Have you guys ever heard of the Everlord's Pocket Watch? Overlord's Pocket Watch. No, Evermord's E-V-E-R-M-O-R-D-E apostrophe S Pocket Watch. Evermord's. Okay. I have not. See if you can if you can pull it up. Uh, uh, my DM just gave me one in our last adventure, and I did not know it exists. He really caught me by surprise with this magic item. Um Evermore's pocket watch not only tells time, but allows the user to manipulate it. Uh, fluff, fluff, fluff. One, plus one to AC, saving throws, passive perception due to their second sense of future actions. Okay. The watch has five charges on it per day. This is all, this is D&D Beyond. It's not like the one I made up. Um, that'll do it for our magic item. Our dungeon master tip of the podcast is pressure plates of varying weight. If you oh, yeah. play with goblins, kobolds, halfling, gnomes, they would actively build traps that trigger with heavier people, not lighter people. So you can really sure. trick the shit out of people. So, um, kind of really quick so we can close up here. Do you, what do you guys think about that? Is that something you've used before or you would see or like? I love it. Come get I me, suckers! <laughs> yeah, they, I love it. Tell them to yell at you, and then you run after them because you're angry, and then you die. Hooray! Yeah. And I see them give them the finger as they're running backwards, running away. Yeah. I'd be one of the bastards to die. What are we going to do? Hey, send the halfling. Okay, send the halfling. The halfling walks across, turns around, thumbs up. Everything's okay. Looks clear. <laughs> very much uh, a very funny uh, trap that or uh, thing that I was thinking about and I thought would be a, a great dungeon master because who's going to expect that? If you're chasing kobolds down a hallway and they're running freely, you're not probably going to stop and think to look for traps. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. That'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Varying weights on pressure plates. Our Ooh. player tip of the podcast is don't be a dick. And you Love can this. avoid Dickitude <laughs> by uh, utilizing the one that got away. Your character doesn't regret life as a hero, but there is someone in their past who occasionally makes them wonder how things might have been differently, gone differently. When building your character, consider adding someone in your character's life who could have led them. Uh, maybe a lost lover, a mentor, a rival, a best friend, or even an employer. Um, this sort of thing really helps flesh out your character and more importantly, give some stuff for the DM to play with. What do you think, John? Uh, yeah, that's, don't be a dick. Just, um, (laughs) that's that's really, you can have a view. You can disagree. That's, that's the beauty of this game. 
I can play a game, especially Dungeons and Dragons, with somebody I disagree with. If we can settle our shit in session zero and everybody knows what's up, I can be okay with it. People are like, I won't play with, uh, I only play with Lord of the Rings. I'm not playing with a goddamn bunch of party. Looks like Sesame Street. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's fine. You can play this. You can do that. Um, yeah, just don't be a dick. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. We give you a new way to not be a dick every episode. Uh, what do you two think, uh, real quick? Um, I think it's actually, this actually ties a little bit more to my character Zorax on our sessions, actually, uh, because yeah. the whole, he's he's got a wife, but I never really incorporate her at all. Oh, don't She's worry. Some, I, I'm really waiting for it to happen somehow, so I'm kind of expecting her to, honestly, I'm kind of expecting her to die at some point. Um, but <laughs> Oh, no, death is too good. Oh yeah, death is easy. I forgot. Death is very easy in this game. I, I, it makes me think like, you know, I could have just made it so like maybe he was always this kind of like evil-ish kind of dude where he didn't give a you know give a crap about anybody, and then she kind of came on and was like, hey, you should be nice to that guy for once. He might give you something in return. And he's like, that works. That works like that. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but very cool. So yeah, uh, I I might need to incorporate that yeah. immediately. I like this too, and keeping this short, the very first thing I thought about when I read this was in the show Supergirl. There was a throughout the series, she became friends with a character, but then they became enemies. Short version, mm -hmm, yes. And she was given the opportunity to to try to go back in time and fix their friendship. By the time she came back into the present, everything was objectively way worse than it was before. And, it, and eventually, she realized, you know what? Yes, this sucked, but at the end of the day, I am not responsible for this person's actions. <laughs> That's awesome, and I am now... Because I, I have seen that, and I'm now going to incorporate that into my game, because I had totally forgot awesome. about that. That was one of the few things I really liked about that show. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do something like that. I'd like to get you guys together and, and, and try maybe even play Coon and Friends. Uh, a, a game I wrote, basically, where it has a an awakened raccoon and his warforged friends. Nice. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, well, I think that'll do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us today, John. I yeah. appreciate it. No, thank you for joining me. Um, yeah. <laughs> please join us on our next episode. Where we'll be discussing fifth edition team deathmatch. This that sounds so dope. This is a player versus player arena rules. Um, and it, the rules are very interesting because it's not just player versus player. There's special respawn rules. You yep. got rooms with, like one that's like a giant mincer where every single section of it is an active treadmill that's constantly pushing you towards a meat grinder, um, which I just think is fantastic. Oh yeah, always. Got to do one like in Flash Gordon. Uh, I haven't seen that because I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, basically a floating disc. Uh, over an abyss that turns, uh, you know, and it rotates, and then spikes come up. Oh, that's really oh, cool. Okay. Or the but... engine room in Galaxy Quest. Yes. Yeah. But I'm yeah, really, I'm really excited to talk about that. I know we're gonna have to try to find a way to get together and play and and test, oh, yeah. really test it out because I've read through it, but I haven't played it yet. So, uh, if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoyed the show. And also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on Twitch, on YouTube. Um, subscribe. Everywhere. So, yeah, for everywhere, everywhere <laughs> you find podcasts, right? Um, 
<clears throat> by heading over to our website, you can be entered to win uh, uh, entered to be win cool prizes each and every single week. Make sure to check out our fellowship members if you have not heard listened to Inner Party Conflict. Gabe and Jeff are awesome. I, I would argue that their podcast is probably way more beneficial and informative than ours because there's a lot of fucks in ours and there's none in theirs. Um, <laughs> they did just release six episodes of an actual play that I was a part of and I li- got to finally listen through it all and oh my god it was so much fun Gabe if you're listening to this shit we need to do that again I demand it um, that being said before we close out do you want to give yourself one more plug there uh, John? Yeah man come see me come follow the adventures of Kevin Smith not that Kevin Smith at the game <laughs> check it out on Facebook or at this underscore Kevin Smith yes Definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah, I think I just did that recently. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you again for for coming on the show. We had a blast. We hope you enjoyed your yourself here as well, John. Oh man, I I like. It's the, I haven't emailed you about being part of the show yet, but it's on. So. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. And I'm gonna work that out. All right. I am your host, Justin. And I am your parentheses name on parentheses. The John Day. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Austin. Uh, Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes.